Art of the Assistant, brought to you from the hills of Almost Heaven, West Virginia, a podcast created to encourage and assist those who are sitting in the second chair of their ministries and organizations. Hey guys, welcome back to Art of the Assistant, a podcast brought to you from Trey and Dan, sitting here at the Coffee House in Weston, West Virginia. It's been a busy morning at the coffee house. If you hear some dinging going on or some trucks going by, you know it's a beautiful day here and people are taking advantage of it. Yeah, Actually, we are too. I'm on my second coffee and we've had a lot of good conversation already <laughs> this morning. And so this is part two of a series that we did a couple of weeks ago on discipleship. And we said, you know, that's kind of a buzzword right now and everybody's talking about discipleships, a million books written on discipleship and some people, you know, different ideas of discipleship, but I'm a firm believer in it. Not only discipleship, but also a term I would call redemptive relationship. Mm-hmm. And some of you might not be familiar with that, but redemptive relationship for me is finding someone who's not saved and beginning a relationship with them. And so having them to the house, going golfing with them, um, finding out what makes them tick and jumping into that. Mm-hmm. And, and so building that relationship to find out that, hey, this guy that that believes in God, that believes in Jesus, is he's not a weirdo like these others I'm watching on YouTube. Right. He's a real person. And and using that as opportunity to share the gospel, invite him to church, do things like that. You know, door to door is great, those things are great, but that's my main philosophy of ministry is not actually door to door. Um, we had a, a college group come and they were asking me how I grew the church. You know, when I took over uh, four years ago, we were about 130. Now, before COVID, we were close to 280. They said, did you hit all these doors in this neighborhood? And I said, guys, I've never knocked on a door. I've not knocked mm-hmm. on one door in Morgantown. Well, then how did this happen? And I said, redemptive relationships. Like, we've never heard that before. Can you mm-hmm. explain? Yeah. And so I just took some examples of people who are now active members of our church and how I started with them as unbelievers and just building relationships. Right. And, and how they came to Christ through that and spending time with them and, and having then, then having other people come and spend time with them, inviting them over home with another Christian couple mm. and how that works. Yeah. And so then you're not, you're not building a church of, of fluff, you're building a church of stuff. These are people who are mm. grounded and know you and who you are, what you believe when they come. Right. And that, that adds to that. But that's, that could be another section. But still, it, it's still that idea of discipleship, though and spending this time with people. And so just a couple practical illustrations of it as we get into the lesson today. When we were in North Carolina, we loved having our college kids over on Sunday nights. So we'd finish up with our Sunday evening service and the college kids came over every single Sunday night. And they'd come over and we'd play games, um, Ticket to Ride, Catan, um, Carcassonne were some of our favorites. And we'd play games and eat dinner. And then we'd put our kids to bed and we'd sit down in the living room, and then I'd pull up a video of something that was um, going on at that time, or maybe they would. Maybe it was a, a crazy statement that Joel Osteen made. Maybe it was something, <laughs> some, some pot that MacArthur was stirring back then. It was strange fire, so there was mm-hmm. a lot stirring at that time. You know, maybe it was um, Wretched with Todd Friel, and we would watch one of those episodes on my TV through YouTube, mm. then we'd discuss it. Yeah. Some of these discussions would go on until one in the morning. Okay, but what we were doing, we were just hanging out, having fun. Yeah. But I was pouring myself into them. Hmm. They were seeing us. Man, they saw the good and bad. Um, one time right. they came over. I bought FIFA. You know, um, I think it was FIFA. Uh, I think it was the 
16, let me think back, 13. And we were playing it, and my kids were wrestling as we were playing, open the Xbox lid. We yell, hey, put it back. And my son Coleman kicks it back in. And when he does, the, the game flips up, the scratches all the oh. way back, and this $60 game that I just purchased was destroyed. You know, those kids got to see my wife in action. <laughs> they were scareder than my own boys were. Right. Um, but, you know, that they'll never forget that. Yeah. And, but that's because they were with us, seeing how we work with our children. And, and so now, let's fast forward to today. You know, I had all the college, not all, but, it, you know, 10 college kids over um, Sunday after church for dinner. Yeah. And getting to know them, I, I know they enjoy playing games, so we got the games out. You know, those guys stayed playing in our basement, carpet ball and foosball and upstairs playing games until 536 o'clock Sunday night. Hmm. So they, they were with me for six hours. Right. And we just had a good time. But that's, again, going back to discipleship. God picked these disciples that Jesus did that they would be with him. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at discipleship, guys, again, it's being with them. But that's got to be intentional. You've got to make the effort to do it. And and you've got to set up those times where you can be together. If you think they're going to, they're not. You know, they want to be with you. And so when I had the college kids over, we were talking. I said, hey, you know, what... What have you enjoyed the most about Cross Impact or Monday night Bible studies with college kids? And they said, man, we just love, and they, they named the couple Jason and Kristen, and they set such a godly example for us of what a Christian marriage should be. Wow. Okay. So so what they, they, they mentioned the Bible studies too, but that was something they said. Mm-hmm. They're not teaching on marriage. They're not telling these college kids, okay, this is what you do in a marriage. Right. Okay, but that's what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. How did they catch that? Because they're with them. Right. The old you adage, know, some things are better caught, caught than, than taught. taught. Yeah. Guys, that's discipleship. Right. You know, so don't waste time. You know, invite others with you. Take them on trips with you. Take, you know, if, if you and your wife want to go skiing, take, some, take somebody with you for the day. Just be intentional and in always having somebody with you that you're discipling, that you're pouring into. You say, but Pastor Trey, you're pouring into these college kids and they're going to leave. Absolutely. And you know what? If they can take what they've learned at faith for the last four years, or if they're a med student, six, seven years, eight years, and go somewhere else and and take that and become an asset to that local church, or even help them find a good local church because they want to find one like they've had before, we're successful. Right. You know, replicating ourselves. I I would add to, to that that, you know what? There's no guarantee that a family that moves in your area is going to be there for six no. or seven years. No, uh, the way you know, the job yep. market is and, yep. and everything else. I mean, a family moves in, uh, you you may not have them for as long as you would if they were a college student. Right, so, that's true. That's absolutely um, true. Just invest. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got a college student I've had for now seven years through undergrad and med school, hmm. and then I have another couple that I I love and man, I've just poured myself into. Man, they're leaving for Boston. Yeah, you know, to dental yeah. school and. That'll be it. Right. You know, so you're right. I've had a student longer than I've even had them. And so mm. you don't know. But that's not the point. Right. You know, the point is that we're, we're investing, we're pouring ourselves in. And you might not be there forever. It's true. Yeah. You know, but these are people that you've grounded. And then if that continues on and, and we're doing the Second Timothy 2-2 model, yes. we're pouring into faithful men and they pour yes. in faithful men. You know what? You're at a church for 10 years. If you leave, that church should be able to continue on. Because you've done your job in committing that to others. Right. And that's that's the key to success of longevity of a church is grounding men who will be able to ground men who will be able to yes. ground men 
and keeping that going. Yeah, it's reproducing yourself. Yes. Yes. And when you look at, uh, and I, I like that you talked about that Second Timothy 2.2, um, that are able to teach others also. Mm-hmm. And when you look at um, yourself, as Paul looked at Timothy, my own son mm-hmm. in the faith. Now the people that Timothy is discipling are his sons in the faith, but they're Paul's grandsons. And yeah. you, you get into this lineage of, uh, well, I can trace back. And it's it's not a, a pride thing, right? Um, but it, it's, it's a proud moment in a good sense. As a yeah. father looks at the accomplishments of his yeah. children yeah. and and is proud of them um, not in an egotistical way yeah. but proud of them like man you're doing good I'm so proud yeah. of you you're yeah. this is awesome you're yeah. continuing on that's that's what discipleship does absolutely it's not about jealousy it's not about control uh, or anything like that it's about really equipping them to be able to teach others also absolutely that's exactly what it is and and so when you're you're doing that, it, it, even if it's mission work and you're listening, you're a missionary, man, that's what you desire. Yeah. You know, is is to send that out and just to be replicating yourself. And Peter, you know, Peter doesn't get enough credit for discipling John Mark. Hmm. But, you know, John Mark's, the gospel of Mark, some people call the epistle of Peter hmm. because he took John Mark under his wing. And if you look at the end of Peter, it says, you know, Mark, my son. Yeah. Nobody else wanted him, hmm. you know, because he 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 walked away from yeah. Paul and Barnabas, right? But and you know what, Peter related. He related. He yeah. understood that. Yeah. And and so he takes John Mark and puts him under his wing. John, you know, the disciple John had Irenaeus under him and Polycarp, and then you go on and I think it was Hippus is another one then that went on into Ethiopia. I mean. There's a lineage that you can follow in church history, yeah. you know, from John, you know, the longest disciple. So he had time to really had time to pour into these guys. Right. And that can that that continued on. Hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to pour into somebody that's going to turn around and be a great missionary or pastor. But you know what they could be to their home and their children. Absolutely. And who knows how their children are going to end up. Yeah. So my mom and dad, when we got saved, we started this little country church. Um, there was no Sunday school for my brother and I because the youngest person in the church, at least from our perspective, was 100. <laughs> and, and, you know, so they, but there was a couple in the church that, that man, they were grounded. They knew the word. Yeah. And they saw this young couple come in. And they, they knew from the pulpit they weren't necessarily getting what they needed. So this older couple tells my parents, listen, why don't you come out to our farm on Tuesday nights? We'll have dinner. And we'll maybe we'll, you know, shuck corn or maybe we'll, you know, work with the beans. But then we're going to sit down and listen to cassette tape. Some of you guys listen, have no idea what that is. Look, Google a cassette tape. <laughs> and they had this whole, you know, cabinet full of cassette tapes from yeah. their former ministry. And their, their pastor was a Bible teacher. So hmm. they would listen to that tape and have a discussion with my parents. Hmm. That's how my parents were disciples. Wow. Did my dad become a pastor? No, but his son did. Hmm. You know, you have no idea, right? You know what discipleship will do or where it will lead, right? You know, and it was through them that we ended up being where we are. We had no intent and purpose to. I mean, I was going to play football at Liberty. That was my stage in life, and I didn't. Yeah. And we had forty acres, and my dad had the property mapped out where we were all going to live on that forty acres hmm. and come back to that rural community. Wow. You know, and work in that community, and God had other plans. Yeah. And, but but how did it start? It started with, 
an older couple in the church that nobody would even know today, discipling my parents on Tuesday nights while my brother and I threw apples and chased cows, you know, and, and because of that, I'm sitting here with you. Yeah. So you don't know guys how your discipleship Mm -hmm. is going to make an impact in the future. So, you know, be with them and invest in them and invest in others. Well, I think part of that investment and, you know, we were talking about this earlier, I don't think on, on the podcast, but you know, there are some churches that um, have a budget for d- discipleship, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. wise uh, to do so. But you may not be in, in that state. And so, yeah. um, you know, you, you want to spend time with people. It doesn't have to be, uh, let's, you know, spend a bunch of money and mm-hmm. go do this. Invest your time, but also uh, the involvement in their life. I think a lot of assistants have the responsibility of the youth uh, as, yeah. as well. Yeah. And I found myself as the youth pastor, I was I was spending more time with other people's kids than, than I was my own. Um, and and I kind of had to find balance and, and shift in that. Uh, don't forget that your responsibility in discipleship is with your family first. Mm-hmm. You're discipling mm-hmm. your wife. You're disi- discipling your children. Yeah. And I would suggest that depending on the stage in which your kids are, you know, our teenagers loved our kids. Yeah, absolutely. Because they were there. Yeah. I mean, they, they're the ones who spent, you know, the most time with our, our children. And so we would go to a teen's ball game with our children. We're you know sitting there in the bleachers and uh, watching them play basketball. And yeah. uh, we're we're going to uh, oh my goodness from sports ac- activities to um, to Bible drills to yeah. uh, to uh, plays uh, for school to band concerts to yep. uh, to cross country <laughs> meets yeah. and I mean, yeah. all, all of the above. And, and it was a way for us to say, man, we care about you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the old saying of people don't want, uh, uh, they, they don't care what you know until they know how yeah, much you care, care. Right? Right, right? And and that is so true when it comes into that mentoring relationship. When someone that I really respect sends me a text and says, yeah. hey, congratulations with that, or, um, you know, I loved what you're, you know, love what you're doing here, man. That was awesome, and and that little show of encouragement goes a long way. Absolutely, John Maxwell, and I'm sure others have said it as as well, but uh, he describes leadership as just influence. And part mm-hmm. of the way that we gain influence with someone is just by spending time and investing in their life. Sometimes that investment is time. Other times, investment is. Uh, a financial investment. Yeah. And we sometimes need to be willing to put our, our money where our mouth mm-hmm. is. And if the expectation is for someone to, um, you know, to change their, um, you know, style in, in music or change their uh, music library, then we ought right. to be willing to help them, you yeah. know, make that change. Right. I remember my wife tells this story and uh, of course, context is going to be different for everyone, but she went to a youth conference and God really changed her, uh, her perspective on life. It was a defining mm-hmm. moment. She came back and uh, she was convicted just by modest dress in, in yeah. her life at that time as a teenager. This lady in the church 
uh, took her out, said, let's go shopping. Yeah. And, and bought her, you know, outfits, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and it made it a, a special time. Yeah. She invested in her. She was mentoring her. She was discipling yeah. her. Yeah. And so we need to make sure that when we are discipling and someone makes a good decision, just like we would with our, our children, that we are, and we're coming alongside of them, yeah. and and um, almost just rewarding that or enforcing that. That's a better term for it. Let me let me inter. Let me pick a comment you just said and expound on that, Dan. Um, so often, and maybe some of you listening are younger. Maybe you're not. Maybe you have middle-aged kids um, in your home right now. Dan just made a comment like we would our children. But, you know, those are our number one disciples. Absolutely. And those are the ones we fail at the most. Sure. We get so caught up in discipling and discipling others and being with others and doing things with others that we're leaving our kids behind. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's say I have two tickets to a football game and I take somebody else. Man, I better I better buy tickets and take my yeah. boys eventually. Absolutely. Because I don't want them to think that so-and-so is more important than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we need to take time to invest in our kids. Yeah. You know, my boys are in travel basketball right now. And you know what? That gives me time, though, to spend with them. Yeah. You know, we got to go to... We got to leave at six o'clock Saturday morning to drive to Martinsburg for these crazy games. Yeah, um, and we'll be there all day. But we're together, right? This is time that we're spending together that we can talk basketball and talk, talk shop. And I love that. Mm. It's going to be a long day. I don't need that. Yeah, but I wouldn't trade that. Does right. that make sense? It does absolutely. And, and so we need to be intentional with our kids. I mean, I sit down with them on a regular basis, and we talk about phone time and texting mm. and and purity and and helping them grow because you only get once. Yeah with them I'll be discipling people till I die hmm. but I only get one shot with my kids yeah and I love the teen years that they're in now but I really can't wait till college hmm. I mean in my my five-year plan it's buy tickets to wherever my daughter's in school or if she stays in school for coffee dates because hmm. I mean let's say she goes to school in California I'll fly to California just to have coffee with her spend an evening with her and have dinner and fly back yeah. Because those are important moments. Yeah. You know, these, I mean, from 18 to 22, these are defining moments of their lives. Yeah. Working with college kids as long as I have, and we need to make sure we're investing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. One thing I uh, I really struggled with is, you know, I have everything in life in compartments. Like, right. this is family time. This yeah. is work. You know, this is ministry. This is church. This is home. This is, you know, mm-hmm. and we kind of put everything into separate compartments, but really, your life just overflows from one area into the it next. Does. And it's perfectly yeah. appropriate and yeah. actually recommended yeah. uh, that you involve your family. One of, one of my responsibilities um, as our church was very active in mission work and we had, it seemed like, you know, um, once a quarter at least had a, a team going out on the mission field somewhere. Hmm. And I was usually the guy that was driving them to, to DC. You know? yeah. So it was about yeah. a five hour trip. And, I always tried to bring a teenager and my son. That's good. So yeah. if there was room in the van, so yeah. on the yeah. way on the way back, we're stopping at, at yeah. some burger joint somewhere, yeah. and, and usually yeah. we're uh, stop uh, several times stopped at uh, Chuck E. Cheese yeah. and and uh, yeah. you know played games yeah. and, and hung out. And I would always try to make a, a point to tell the teenager and my son, you know, we have the opportunity to do stuff like this, mm. not because uh, your dad. You know, is a software developer. Right, right. We have an opportunity to do stuff like this because dad's in the ministry. Yeah. And so when when you are purposeful in that, in your discipleship, yeah. in your children, and bringing 
other people along mm-hmm. uh, with that, then um, you're you're not allowing for any kind of bitterness to build yeah. in, in the heart of your children, yeah. and you're killing a lot of birds yeah. with one stone. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, multiply on that. Get yeah. get other people involved. And, I love it. Uh, don't be by yourself. Yeah, no, I think that's key. And, you know, you go back to that statement, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, honestly, Dan, we live in a day where everybody knows everything. Mm. You know, um, there was an article written in The Federalist uh, by Tom Nichols, and he said, you know, we live in a Google-filled, Wikipedia-based, blog-sodden collapse of mm. any division between professional and layman, student, teacher, knowers and wanderers. In other words, between those of any achievement in any area and those with none at all. I mean, because you're one question away from knowing it all. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's, hey, Starbucks makes this drink. Well, all you have to do is look up Google how to make this drink. Right. Then you do it. Right. You can replicate it. And that's where we are. So so it doesn't matter what we know. Okay, it's it's who we are and what we're living in front of them. Yeah. You know, in that. So I think that's I think that's important that we're doing it and, and that we're getting out there and understanding, okay, this generation, it might be that you have five people over to your house and the whole time they're there, they're just staring at their phones hmm. and then they leave and they're like, Man, that was the best time we ever had. Right. Right. So yeah. uh you were on your phone the whole time. You using my Wi Fi. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, you know, that's about that's the extent of what I gave you in dinner. Right. And um and but yet that's that generation yeah or that might be that group that you have it's just knowing that yeah. and working with them in that so so um let me let me ask you this F- first of all let me just say this you, you may be in a place where you don't think that you are discipling anyone and and you probably are doing more than what you think you're doing yeah. if you if you just took a um, kind of a uh, an aerial view of your life and who you have influence on and who you know you are teaching. You probably have more. Uh, you're probably doing more than what you think you're doing. Um, however, if you're if you kind of flip the script into um, being purposeful about that, you can accomplish more. So, Treg, talk about like someone that's just looking at this, going, you know what? I've I've not been intentional mm-hmm. in this, but I want to be intentional in that. Where's the starting place? I'm looking at my home, my my youth group, my whatever my ministry responsibility is, my church family, uh, my neighborhood. Where where am I starting in that? Okay, where you're going to start is not the kid um, that you are picking up off the street that wants nothing to do with God, is smoking weed um, every day, but Wednesday when you're getting for youth group. That's not where you're starting. Okay. I want you to start with the kid in, the kid that's, man, that's really showing potential. The adult that's, man, that's volunteering their time. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, when Paul found Timothy, he was, Timothy was recommended to him mm-hmm. to come alongside to help. Hey, look at Timothy, you know, yeah. look at his background. So, you know, but your tendency, your all's tendency as you're listening to this is to get that kid. Right. The troubled kid and and listen it makes for a better story line. it makes for a better storyline but i'm telling you my 13 year old needs that as much as he does that is man that's good okay so so i want you to i want you to look for the ones that's got the potential that's going to go somewhere and start with them yeah you know start with that man in the church that that's that loves reading his bible but just needs that somebody to come alongside put his arm around yeah. him and say hey you know the ethiopian eunuch was reading how can i understand let somebody guide me right. somebody that's reading that just needs some guidance mm-hmm. and so that would where i'd start first pray about that person yeah. you don't think god's going to tell you who that is he's going right. to answer that prayer yeah 
God's going to put them in your heart. On both both uh, pastors I'm currently working with now and coaching, when I mentioned this, they both, boom, told me hmm. who they needed to see. So, so Se- you might even have that person on your mind. Second Timothy 2.2, 2, uh, and we mentioned it before, the saying, commit thou to faithful mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. And man, that that is a key point yep. right there. And then you're intentional with them, man. You 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 know them. You know what makes them click. You know my son. You get on a bike with him. You're going to go all day, hmm. okay? Or he loves to run. He loves to play ball. So let's say it's a Coleman. You know what? Find that that he enjoys doing, and then go with it. Yeah. You know, go out on the bike ride, stop, drink water, say, man, Coleman, how you doing with God? You know, how you doing with the struggles that you're happening in in what's happening? You know, yeah. in your life right now. And, and just give those opportunities to talk and be intentional with it. Yeah. And so that would be my first step with you is just to find that one and then start spending some time with them yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it, you're just kind of building that relationship. Yep. And yep. I, I would add that it's not always the squeaky wheel. No. Uh, there are, are many times where the, the squeaky wheel is going to squeak forever. <laughs> it's true. They have no yeah. intention yeah. of getting better, of growing. Yeah. That they, they don't yeah. want growth. They want no. attention. Right. And so you've got to be able to identify that. Yep. And you're always going to have the squeaky wheel. But yep. You're looking for faithful I mean, we, men and women. There's probably guys listening right now that could tell us stories of hundreds of dollars they've invested in kids just to see thrown away. Right. You know, and, and But a lot of times we lose them because let's say we do have a boy that, that's a good kid. He goes off to Bible college and we never see him again. And we go, all right, well, I can't believe he never came back. Well, how much time did you spend with him in high school? Yeah. How much time did you spend with him when he went off to seminary? Yeah. None. Exactly. So why would you expect him to come back? Right. Like, oh, he's a good kid. Oh, he's got good Bible. Let's go after him. No. You know, so there's got to be, we, we got to have our eyes open to yeah. that. And then just be intentional with it. And, and to go with that. Yeah. And so that's where I would be. And if you guys want to follow up or need some guidance, you know, Dan and I would love to talk to you and um, help you along the way with that. Again, I could talk about this all day. Dan yeah. could too. I mean, he's got more notes here than we know what to do with when it comes to this subject. <laughs> and I tried on that first lesson with notes, and I just like to talk, so I got rid of my notes. But listen, my just let me let me do this. Here's my cell number. 304-376-9993. If I see it come up from a state I don't know, I might not answer, but leave me a voicemail or shoot me a text. 304-376-9993. I just want to talk. Um, I'll make time to talk and we can sit down and go over some of these things or anything in life. You know, I just, I want to be an encouragement to you. That's why we're here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm doing this, yes, to drink coffee, but I'm really doing this for you all. In any way that we can help, we want to do that and um, to come alongside you and, and be part of your ministry. Art of the Assistant at gmail.com. You can also get us there. So, Dan, if you want to close us up. Absolutely. Great. Check us out on uh, our website, artoftheassistant.com, for all the ladies. And, and if you would, consider sharing uh, this podcast mm-hmm. with uh, a friend in the ministry uh, or someone that you believe might be uh, might have some benefit from listening, uh, we certainly would appreciate that as well. And then if you have any topics that you would yep. like to, to hear about uh, or questions that you have, as Treg said, uh, reach out to us. We want to be a, a help and a blessing and uh, any way that we can. So thanks for listening today. We look forward to Uh, hearing from you and look forward to seeing you here next uh, week in the next episode of the podcast.